and this is the View of the Valleys podcast, season two, episode six with TJ Hoover and Chris Smith. TJ, how you been? I've been excellent getting ready to start uh, high school f- playoff football here in the state of Illinois. Basketball season starts with exhibitions this week across both valleys. I know especially the Missouri Valley Conference, so everything's in full swing. It's a busy time of year. It's it's exciting, you know, not as exciting as tournament time, Arch Madness and stuff like that. But still, this is this is the first step to really get there, you know, get to see some guys in action. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll be doing the announcing for that football game, I would assume. Yep, that's uh, the plan. They're yep. giving you a pay increase for an extra for an extra game. I don't know. I, I'll get paid for another game, so I mean, it's not. I'm doing more work, so it's not a pay increase. <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be. I think this is only the third home playoff game we've had since I've been there. Since I've been doing the PA, I think this is my this is my 14th year doing it. So 15th year, 15th year. Well, shoot, it's been a while since mm-hmm. we've had a home game. But uh, yeah, I mean, college basketball, you know. Not far off, and what what's today? We record on October twenty fifth, twenty fourth, twenty fourth. One week from Halloween, and I tell you what, I, as each day comes and goes, I mean, before you know it, it's going to be November 9th. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like the weeks are just flying by, and I'm just hoping I'll be able to catch a little college basketball here and there on my on my dinner breaks. Yeah, it, now that you're working mids, I yeah. always thought the worst shift to have would be mids. Well, you miss everything. Mm-hmm. Like if you're working straight nights, then you can oh you can still watch stuff in the evening. Nope, I mean it, it's been tough really trying to get adjusted to it. And yeah. I wasn't much of a soda drinker, but shoot, on the way to work I drink a bang, and then I have to have a, a soda on my way home just to stay awake. Not like, a coffee drinker? Huh? Oh, I can't stand coffee. I've tried it a lot when I was working at the golf course. You gotta get the know, right creamer. That's probably the key. See, I tried it with cream. You know, you had to. I had to make it every morning for like the early golfers and I would try it basically at least once a week to see if I, mm-hmm. nope, didn't matter if it was cream, plain, I tried everything, <laughs> wasn't going for it. I don't it. know if I can function if I don't have my two cups of coffee. Oh. It's it's an addiction, so. Of course, I don't drink soda either, so. I'll see, it's a, it's a trade-off. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, college basketball, uh, it's going to be a fun time here and I know we got a a lot to get to it's i think it's been about two weeks since we recorded it's it's been tough trying to do this every week especially because our work schedules don't you know aren't the same anymore at least till january so hopefully once january gets here we'll be able to you know i mean i still hope we can do it every week but you know if if we can't then yeah at least you guys please understand if it's if it's hit and miss there's a reason that chris and i are working different shifts (laughs) so it's kind of tough to nail down a time he doesn't want to spend all of his Sundays with me either. He likes watching uh, NFL football. <laughs> I mean, yes, typically, but uh, I didn't watch much today. Bets didn't go well, so I just turned off the television. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley, they came out with their preseason rankings and then the uh, preseason accolades as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll dive into those. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on the OVC and the Southland Conference. They – came to came to an agreement on an alliance scheduling for for football in the I think it's the next two years so all those uh, non-conference vacancies on each team schedule mm-hmm. be you know filled by you know those yeah that's gotta be great from from a coach's standpoint just filling your schedule you know making life so much easier that way so many fewer calls that you have to, oh yeah to get that organized and so hopefully it seems like it'll be mutually beneficial for them absolutely so we'll get into that here in a little bit as well. Uh, but first, TJ, we'll we'll dive right into the Missouri Valley and Ohio Valley preseason rankings and accolades. I'll let you start off here, TJ, with the Missouri Valley uh, preseason rankings. Well, I think it would be I'm, – I'm going to jump right into uh, – I think it, it would be really hard-pressed. You could have a really good season in the Valley, in the Missouri Valley, and finishing fourth or fifth isn't – Anything to be ashamed about. I mean, because you have Northern Iowa coming back with A.J. Green, the best player in the league. You know, he was, you know, player of the year when he was, you know, two years ago. Didn't play last year because of the hip surgeries. Now he's coming back. Drake, who had a magical season last year with uh, almost everyone coming back. And then you get Loyola, who's, you know, lost Cameron Crutwig, new coach. 
that you're right there. And then, you know, Missouri State. I mean, Gage Prim, if there was anything, I think Missouri State to me as a fan is the team that scares me the most. Like, they, it feels like they can really go on runs and just be really dominant at times. They're, they're, so, they're so deep and so talented. And not to say the other teams aren't deep or talented, but it seems like there's always somebody else there at Missouri State to pick up the slack. Yeah. And, you know, so Drake was the, voted first. Loyola second, so I think they're going to have you know a little bit of feel like they have something to prove that here here we are the reigning champs, and just because we lost one guy, which I think that's fair to say too. I, yeah, I would think I mean, so. Cameron Crutwig is a, is a huge loss, and Northern Iowa third, Missouri State fourth, Southern Illinois fifth, and then Bradley at six, Valpo at seven, Evansville at eight. I thought they might have been a little bit higher, and then Indiana State nine, Illinois State ten, which I think is. To be expected, especially with the coaching change at Indiana State, that you think, you know, what what is this guy going to bring to the table, the people he's bringing in, and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, I, I understand, I understand how the voting went, but I think if you told me right now, twenty bucks on who wins the the league, I, I might put it on Missouri State. So that was going to be my next question. So if, when you look at those preseason rankings, is there a discrepancy that you feel like in those rankings? Like, do you th- were you going to say that you thought Missouri State should be a lot higher than where they're slotted right now, or just a different they, team? I don't know that they've proven it yet. Whereas you know Loyola's been there, Drake showed it last year. Northern Iowa with Coach Jacobson, you know, you you always believe in them. There's kind of a history there, but Missouri State just hasn't kind of gotten over that hump, if that makes sense. Yeah. If they finished second last year. Okay, maybe we'll put them there. But I think there were times that they were inconsistent. Uh, you know, that all of a sudden they get their doors blown off and kind of like, what, what's going on here? That you didn't necessarily see that out of Drake and Loyola last year. So, but, you know, again, you told me to put 20 bucks on it. I had to pick one team. I might take Missouri State just to. Just to be contrarian, too, because you know me sometimes. Uh, you tell me I have to do something. I'm like, no, I don't have to. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting on the preseason teams. And I'll just do the first team here. Okay. But looking at how the conference voting went last year, your all-conference team was Cameron Crutwig, Tyreek Key, Isaiah Mosley, Roman Penn, Gage Prim. Crutwig leaves. Your preseason first team picks are... Tyreek Key, Isaiah Mosley, Roman Penn, Gage Prim, and then A.J. Green. So four of the five are exactly the same, and that's what you would have expected. But I can imagine being a player, you know, uh, like Lance Jones from Southern Illinois comes to mind, or Tank Hemphill from Drake. Like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd like a little more accolades here. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm putting in my work. I've, you know, shown another year. Well, nobody left. Uh, you know, imagine your junior year of high school like all right next year i'm gonna get to start oh no all those seniors they get to play again what (laughs) (laughs) well there's a i think it was east tennessee state i just saw this this weekend there's a college football player this is his eighth year of eligibility good lord eighth he's just had he's had injury waivers then you had the the covid waiver and I think there was a red shirt in there. I mean, it is pretty unbelievable. Eighth year. Now, that means he's at, at least your age, if not older, isn't he? Oh, he's older, I think. Wow. Yeah, I thought it said that. I'm going to try and look that up while we're recording here. But Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We were watching college game day yesterday, and my wife goes, he just said they have, I don't even know what team they were talking about. They have X number of super seniors. She, what is a super senior? I go, that's the guy that's his sixth year because he had the COVID year. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, they said regular seniors, fifth-year seniors, and then super seniors. Because I know uh, SIU football, I think they have 16 at SIU alone. So, yeah, I mean, more power to them. I always tell my students to stay in college as long as you can. Well, he's, he's doing <laughs> he's it. He's doing it and, and not having to pay for it. <laughs> yes, so it's East Tennessee State. He's a linebacker. Uh, his name is... Uh, Jared folks, uh, 25 years old. So he is just a little bit younger than me, but yeah, says he's starting his eighth year of eligibility and it's just 
medical red shirts and then the COVID pandemic. So I, I mean, God bless. He must've been hurt an awful lot. I mean, now here's my question as a, as a teacher, what does his schedule look like these days? How many degrees does he have? How many classes does he have to take? <laughs> he, goes to, he goes to the counselor. You've taken them all. Sorry. <laughs> Can I do an independent study? Like, no, there's no, nobody. We're tired of you. We're going we're to give you a teaching job when you graduate. <laughs> probably, probably already has completed a couple internships. Yeah. Probably not a lot. Done a student Golly. teaching again. I'm good for him though. Yeah. Continuing to live out his, you know, playing playing career and uh yeah i mean it took me over 20 years to get my four college degrees and here he's gonna have them taken care of by the time he's 25 he uh he was quoted saying eight that's kind of like two careers in one (laughs) and that's via this the analyst.com where i saw this article let's think about this eight years so when he started his freshman year it's conceivable that some of his freshman teammates now were fifth graders. Because uh, yeah, right, that's your 13th year I guess. schooling. Like, well, if you go K through 12, then freshman year, yeah. Oh, wow. At least sixth grade. That's wild. <laughs> I thought it was worth mentioning while you were talking about, like, he, he, that's he's got to know this. That's uh, that's great stuff. I think we should make an award and like find guys like, you know, I felt that way with, now I'm showing my age here. I felt like Danny Ferry was at Duke forever. But this guy, you know, he really has been there he's forever. Been there for years. <laughs> I wonder how many coaching changes, like how many coaches he's gone through. Oh, I mean, especially if you start talking position coaches and coordinators. Oh. Guys, he might have coaches that are younger than him now. Golly. Oh, Incredible. That's fantastic. That's uh. Fun. So but go ahead. Back to the Missouri Valley. Uh, was there anything else that stood out when you looked when you saw those rankings? Or I know you said the players and accolades is kind of chalk from you know last year. Mm-hmm. AJ Green uh, proposed to be, I think, uh, Larry Bird Player of the Year. Yeah, preseason Player of the Year, which I mean he was last year too before he got hurt. And uh, you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, Valentine adjusts up at Loyola with his new steed and the, you know, the changes at Indiana state, you know, see if the, I mean, cause you know, coach was under a lot of fire there for many years. And so, you know, the fire and pitchforks at the door finally got their way with coach Lansing and, you know, pushed him out and kind of made, you know, life wasn't much fun. So now, you know, Josh Schurz takes over after being a division two coach for the last 13 years where he had a lot of success uh, National Coach of the Year honors four times, so you know he's he's proven he can do it. Yeah. You know, and you wonder what the difference is between D two and D one, the grind, the the level of athlete. You know, uh, so it'll be interesting. I, I'm definitely excited for it, and I, you know, I want to save this article and then look at it come March. March. Like, you know, revisit it maybe even once the season starts. We do we still think this? So that's what we'll have to do again. Is like once we get, let's go after Christmas before we get into full swing. Basically, like after the non-conference slate's mm-hmm. done. Yeah, I, think, I know we'll have one game because there's they, they did a goofy like December first. They're doing one conference game. Yeah, across the board. And I think the, it's to give. What's them, the point? I I believe it was to give them more flexibility in case there were COVID issues. Ah, but you know they came down too and said, "Hey, if you miss a game because of COVID, you forfeit." Right. And that seemed to be an overriding question, like a, a overarching question from all the media was, "How many of your guys are vaccinated?" So, like Missouri State, for example, I think they said they had all but one guy was fully vaccinated, and he was just waiting on a second shot. Wow. So, but hmm. you think some of those schools that lost time last year, like. You know, it's one of those things that coach can't make you, but your teammates will definitely be like, hey, remember how, how bad this sucked last year when we couldn't play for three weeks? You know, I forget how long it was Southern Illinois was shut down. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and they had that one night where they had this, like, was it Loyola, suddenly had to go to Indiana State or something on a on a whim instead of, you know, things like that. Like, guys, that, that, Just makeshifting it as you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be interesting. Hopefully we don't lose any games that way this year because it'd be a shame to see someone lose a conference title. Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah. or drop from, you know, a two seed to a 
four seed, and you, that's definitely a different different ball game going to the conference tournament. So what did it look like on the Ohio Valley side? So the OVC side, obviously, you know, going to look a little different. Some teams, you know, going to move up in the rankings just because you had two teams, you know, vacate the conference. Uh, obviously, you're, you're one and two. I think everybody kind of expected, you know, Belmont, number one, 17 first place votes. And then you had Moorhead State, number two, with three first place votes. Those were the only uh, only first place votes out there. And then you had Murray State at three who should be better than last year. I think they really did underperform, you know, for Murray State basketball. They had a lot of they had a lot of talent. They just couldn't get it to click, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time. So I think they'll be pretty good this year. You got SEMO at number four, uh, Tennessee State five, Austin P at six, SIUE at seven, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Illinois, and then UT Martin number 10. So when you look at those 10, and it, it ranged from Belmont getting 161 points all the way down to UT Martin, who got 34. Really, what I see when you look at those 10, and I think Simo's going to be, be better under you know Brad Korn. You know, he mm-hmm. seems to be getting more out of his guys here last year. And and I think with the, you know, that COVID uh, uh you know, red shirt or whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, COVID year. In COVID year, you know, a lot of those guys are back again and they didn't lose that year of eligibility. So that just gives them an extra year to gel. And I think a four spot's pretty good for them. Uh, they haven't, I think it's the highest they have been, you know, picked in the preseason in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but you also got to look at the fact of, okay, now would that mean they would be at six if Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State were still here? You know, possibly. Right. But, you know, they're gone, so it's going to show a lot more balance in the league this year. And, you know, I think Belmont, Moorhead State, Murray State, I really don't see those three changing. I think those three will be the three competing for the OVC championship, uh, you know, for first place in the uh, conference. But, you know, SEMO's going to contend. I mean, and Tennessee State, you know, you know, they're led this year by Carlos Marshall Jr., mm-hmm. Who, who missed last year, didn't he? Yeah. Or most of the year, at least. He missed some time. And who says he missed all of it. And Tennessee State's been a team where, well, they've been a bottom feeder here recently mm-hmm. since Dana Ford left for, you know, Missouri State. And it, it's good to see, you know, Tennessee State working their way up the rankings because they got some talent there. And there were times last year, you know, they didn't have it all put together. But when they did... I mean, they were surprising teams last year, whether it be on the road or even at home. So good to see them, you know, get in the middle of the rankings right now. And I think, you know, bringing in uh, Masterpiece son, Hersey Miller, was ranked the number one high school player in the country. I mean, that's a huge get for any team in either of these leagues. And I think there's another level when you talk about HBCUs and the difficulty they have attracting top-end talent. Sure. You know, both. I mean, I think, you know, we've seen that. I, th- I think that's a fair thing to say. So, I mean, and everyone, he's, he's going to be paying for everybody's food when they go on the road trips because he's making Morgan coach. <laughs> but, you know, so I think between he coming in, Marshall coming back, and then they're getting Dedrick Boyd, who's played at Eastern Kentucky and Illinois State, and Jalen Dupree, who was at Missouri State and Samford. Those are, those are some guys that hopefully can put some stuff together with those guys that, that pushed through last year. Absolutely. And then you look at Austin P. you know, their final year in the conference, they slot in at number six, which they're under their new first-year head coach. Um, you know, he's coming over from Duke, so it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do at Austin P. Mm-hmm. And um, but, uh, Coach Nate James, you know, with his first year being at Austin P. It's really going to be interesting to see what Austin P is able to do this year because in the last couple of years, all you ever heard about was Terry Taylor two-pointer, Terry Taylor basket, ter- Terry Taylor assist, Terry Taylor rebound. And with him gone, I mean, it's really a big void left in the governor, I mean, scheme. Well, they only have one starter coming back in Carlos Paez. I mean, that's – so people will say, look, well, they were all Terry Taylor, which to a degree was true. 
you lost you, three you other starters too. You know, so that's always the, the cupboards bare that way. You know, they got uh, Tariq Silver coming in from Oregon State. Uh, you know, despite you know, I haven't looked at his stats, but he's still playing Power Five. He's still playing UCLA, USC. Yep. You know, all those schools, and he's around the app that atmosphere too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you're being coached by, you know, guys that know what they're doing. I mean, you're you're coaching at the the top of the right, you know, college basketball mm-hmm. platform, the Power Five, and now does that mean he's learning stuff from like the likes of like Coach K? This maybe not, but Nate James can bring some of that in because mm-hmm. he's been around Coach yeah. K a lot. Yeah. You know, Duke player and assistant coach, so. I'm looking forward to seeing what Austin P is able to do. Um, then you look at SIUE, and I, th- I think this is the year that the Cougars are able to start jumping up in the standings. Okay. They got they got a lot of talent, you know, coming back. And you know, Coach uh, Brian Baroni, you know, this is his third year at SIUE, so I, I think typically it's that third and fourth year is when you really mm-hmm. want to start seeing growth out of your, your program yeah. from your new head coach. Cause you, obviously your first year and even your second, you're still trying to get a base of yeah, right. the it's guys you guys want. And, yeah. You know, you're, you know, you might have guys on your team that are transferring from, you know, the previous coach and now you're really just trying to do a complete rebuild, but SIUE, you know, they got the, the right twins and Shamar and Lamar that, you know, that's two, two big players for SIUE. Mm-hmm. And the one area that SIU did do well in last year, it was defense and, you know, defensive around the rim. You know, they had a lot of block shots. They ranked in the top 30 in the country. But the area they lacked in was just scoring consistently. Mm-hmm. So the area they're going to have to get better at is, you know, just having more guys, you know, know their role come off the bench ready to score. Yeah. Because they had too many times last year where they'd go through a lull and, I mean, they're, you know, that five, six-minute stretch, well, that was the difference in their game. Uh, Tennessee Tech, uh, Coach John Pelfrey, got a lot of returning players. So, I mean, they're they're picked near the bottom, but, I mean, you have a lot of returning players and, and you know, Junior Clay, the dude's all OVC. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he he's going to be able to, you know, score the ball. He's going to be able to get his teammates involved. And Keyshawn Davidson, you know, going to be another big guy for Tennessee Tech as well. Now, they do have a lot of newcomers too. And that's one area that I wanted to get into for UT Martin once we make our way, you know, down to them as we go in order for the standings here. And when you have a lot of newcomers, it's kind of hard, in my in my opinion, to give out a projection. Okay, well, they're going to be they're going to be seventh. You don't know how this team's going to gel. They might gel really well. I mean, yeah. they could be a lot better than seventh. And, you know, you look at some of the guys that they've had come in via transfers. Uh, they've had, you know, five guys that transferred in from D1 schools, schools like Xavier, Arizona State, and Cincinnati, to name a few. So they're going to have some guys that have been at Power 5 schools that are going to be able to come in and make a difference in the OVC. And when you already have the likes of Junior Clay, I think – you know, I think it's going to really make it uh, make it tick. Eastern Illinois, uh, Marty Simmons is is back into you know the the Valley era here. Yeah, the cupboard is bare though. I mean, holy cow! We thought you know, Coach James had a tough tough job at Austin P. Wow! Everybody liked tr- the see when Spoonhour was there last year. He had one of the most experienced teams in all of college basketball but he also had the worst luck of injuries and then mm-hmm. people being out with covid so it was tough sledding for coach Spoonhour's team last year because they i i don't remember what it was now but i remember we did an episode way back when and they had so many different combinations of starting lineups i think only like one one guy like didn't miss time mm-hmm. or something one time like wasn't that. they only had like seven or eight guys seven guys i think yeah so i mean Eight newcomers that, that he brought with him. So one full-time starter and Sammy Friday who shot the lights out. I mean, at 60%. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, they, they've got some work to do. But the the team I wanted to dive in on, and that's uh, UT Martin. Uh, First-year head coach Ryan Ritter, you know, had him on, you know, I think it was a couple months ago. We had him on the show, and, 
know, he's very excited what UT Martin's got mm-hmm. going down there. And yes, they're picked to finish 10th, but not one of the guys on their team was on UT Martin's roster last mm-hmm. year. So yeah, you can project them to finish 10th because you don't really know what you're going to get out of them, but they could easily be near the top. I mean, yeah, ha- not having any guys on the team from the year before can be just as big of a downfall as it could be a positive. Mm-hmm. But when you got guys that that are transferring in from all over, whether it be JUCO, D1, grad transfer, I mean, you're going to be able to fill some voids, and you're going to know kind of uh, – I can't think of the word. But you're going to know the the face you're putting out for the this program yeah. during non-conference. So they might struggle during non-conference play as they're all still trying to, you know, gel, figure out their roles. But I think once OVC play starts, you know, that I think they could probably uh, make some headway. And I, I don't think they'll be at the bottom of the OVC by the time uh, – you know, the season ends. And it was a, it's a real variety of kids that he brought in. You know, like you said, complete overhaul of the roster. But five regular transfers, four high school kids, two JUCOs, two grads. I mean, you're not just starting with kind of guys looking for a new place. You're It's kind of – you would have some of those every year. Yep. If basically what you're missing is you have a lot of those, especially on the, the traditional transfer in high school kids. You would you'd have – four or five core guys already, but they, they're trying to build that. So it'll be interesting to see how they build this together, kind of fit it together, almost, you know, like a puzzle for lack of a better term that you're going to have to kind of figure things out and how guys fit together and the roles that they fill. And sometimes that makes you change or makes you adjust the way you play. Well, maybe you brought in some big kids and you know, they're not as good as the, the three guys you have at the three. So now we have to go smaller. Yep. And play a little bit different style or maybe the opposite. Like, hey, we got these two post players. We're going to have to do something different instead of, you know, running as much. Maybe we could just get down, slow it down and and chuck it inside all day long. I mean, it, it's going to be a puzzle. It's going to be a challenge for him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he seemed like he was ready for it. Yeah. And, you know, I hope hope things go well for him down there. And, you know, that he's able to get uh, UT Martin, you know, back on the map here and working their way up the standings in the conference. So that's the 10 teams, you know. In order for ranking, Belmont, Moorhead State, Murray State, SEMO, Tennessee State, Austin P, SIUE, Tennessee Tech, EIU, and UT Martin. Now we'll work our way into the OVC preseason uh, individual accolades. And this year, the OVC didn't just have one guy for the OVC Player of the Year. They had two co-player of the years. And those two are Grayson Murphy of Belmont and Jenai Broom of Moorhead State, which both of them obviously respectfully deserved it. You know, Broom entering his, you know, sophomore year. So, I mean, it's it's pretty – it says an awful lot if a sophomore is getting, you know, the OVC Co-Player of the Year. But, I mean, he deserved it. I mean, last year he was all OVC uh, freshman of the mm-hmm. year. and Took his team to the tournament. Took his team to the tournament and, you know, averaged nearly 14 points per game, had nine rebounds. So, he almost had a double-double on average for the year. Then you look at – uh. Grayson Murphy, he basically did it all. You know, double digits in points, uh, almost had double digits in rebounds, had eight, but also averaged nearly six assists a game. So he's the guy that makes Belmont tick. But at the same time, Belmont also has their big man, Nick Musinski. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was out at times last year, you know, battling some injuries. But he was all first team OVC this year. You know, and last year he averaged 15 points and shot nearly 60% from the floor. So you were talking about Sammy Friday and how well he shot. I mean, Nick Musinski, I mean, it's not like he's only taking about four or five shots mm-hmm. a game. I mean, he's he's getting a fair share shape. of – yeah, he's filling it up. What's the line from Finding Force? From Finding Force, you put some serious ink on that stat page tonight. <laughs> Didn't think you were going to find any Forrester reference tonight, did you? Honestly, TJ, at this point, what is this episode? I think 46 total, 47. <laughs> I don't expect anything less. Like, I just, I, <laughs> I, I wait for something like this every time because I, I just expect it. Oh, well, good. I'm exceeding expectations. <laughs> the rest of the OVC first team. Uh, they just pre- did one, 10 guys, right? They didn't do 
like the the Missouri Valley. This is what I was learning as I was looking at this: is that Missouri Valley does first team, second team, third team, mm-hmm. five guys each. But the OVC just hey, we're going to do ten. Is that the way it's always been, or is it well, have they like, adjusted with the departures? Like last, I mean, at the end, like last year, I mean, they had second team all OVCs, and you know, honorable mention OVC newcomers. But you know, for right now, it looks like they're just going with the straight. I wonder uh, if they, we'd have to do some digging and see if they changed that from last year. Yeah, I'd have to, down to down to what ten teams right now. Yep, ain't going to be eight. Uh, I think it's going to be nine right now. Oh, that's right. Just Belmont's leaving. No, or no, it is Austin because Austin P's leaving too. Yeah. Um, Who knows? I mean, <laughs> last time we recorded Conference USA had a pretty good slate of teams, and now seven <laughs> teams have left. Yeah, everybody's just swapping. Maybe the Conference USA and the OVC need to join forces. I'd like that. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the OVC preseason is uh, you got Tevin Brown of Murray State, uh, Junior Clay, Tennessee Tech. Chris Harris of SEMO, Carlos Marshall Jr., Tennessee State, Skylar Potter, Moorhead, and then you got Luke Smith of Belmont, and then big man at Murray State, K.J. Williams rounds out the list. And the one thing that sticks out, a lot of juniors on that list. The only seniors that are on there are Carlos Marshall Jr., Grayson Murphy, Nick Musinski, and Luke Smith. So basically everybody else is juniors, or lower, uh, except for the guys from Belmont. Like, literally all the seniors are from Belmont, except for Carlos Marshall. So there's a lot of veteran veteran leadership throughout the all-OVC right there. And if a couple of these teams like Tennessee State and SEMO, you know, want to make hay and try and – knock off, you know, Moorhead, Murray, or uh, Belmont, you know, you're, they're going to need the likes of Chris Harris, you know, at SEMO to, to improve off of his stat line from last year. You know, last year he only had averaged over 12 points and about three and a half assists per game. So I think this year, you know, they're really going to be looking for him to probably get over 15 and hopefully upwards of 20. So that's the all OVC preseason list there. TJ, uh, really, the, the only thing that stood out to me was, you know, UT Martin being tenth, and you know nobody really knows what to expect. So I do think that UT Martin finishing the top six, I believe, once uh, okay, once this uh, season's so I'm over. Missouri State to win, you're saying uh, they're going to finish. They're gonna, sixth or better. Yep. I mean, right, which is pretty good. So six and a half is the over-under? Yes. Okay. And you're taking the under. You're, they're going to be lower than six and a half. Yep. So okay. They're going to be uh, They're gonna be one through six. All right. We'll, uh, we'll find out. Um, but now as we work our way into the college basketball season here, you know, Tuesday, November 9th, not far from it, uh, what have you seen on the Missouri or Missouri Valley side? Most uh, of the schools are well. I just sent you this link. Did you know that there are, there are these not so secret uh, scrimmages that go on? So, for example, Ohio Valley Conference um, on the tenth of Belmont played Wofford in Knoxville, and Saturday they are playing Indiana and in Louisville. Really? Like the, yeah, and I know SIU is supposed to go to. Uh, Indianapolis and play Purdue Fort Wayne. I think Loyola just played Wisconsin. So I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see how those are constructed. I'm sure they're very tight on who is allowed to attend. Oh, I'm sure. You know, but it's interesting. I'm looking at Ohio Valley schools, like Austin. Please, Austin P. Excuse me, is playing Middle Tennessee State, Eastern Illinois, Missouri State are playing. But then you go down and like a Tennessee. Uh, Tech is playing Lincoln Memorial, which is the D2 school. Um, UT Martin's playing Arkansas State. So it's just interesting to see kind of the mix of how these go here. And then uh, on the Missouri Valley side, like I said, Bradley's playing Iowa. Drake's playing South Dakota State. Um, Just trying to pick out a few highlights here. Northern Iowa's playing North Dakota State and UMKC. 
Um, at least UMKC, they're playing in Des Moines. I'm not sure about where North Dakota State game is going to be. But it's, I just thought, find that interesting. I wonder what if there were rule changes that allowed that to come. I mean, because this this list on WatchStadium.com is just every every school listed by conference the games that they're playing. So it's trying. Yeah, looking at this uh, link that you sent me, TJ, I, it's definitely not secret. I mean, the, the <laughs> yeah, hell, it's, it's, it's not so secret list. <laughs> I mean, it, it may it might be closed to the public, but it's out for the public to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've even seen some guys reporting scores. Like I saw that, I think Loyola apparently beat Wisconsin. But what does that mean? I mean, I'm sure at some point they're working on situations. Oh, I'm sure. I would. Lo- that's what I would love to do. You know, if I'm a coach in that situation, like, hey, let's we'll, the score. Let's just put numbers up there. The kids will compete against it. You know, it's, it's time and you know, time and situation, time and possession. So it's a scrimmage. So that's, that's the phrase that's used. Yes. I wonder how relaxed it is then. Like, so the, the, summer high school basketball they gonna, scrimmages. They can inbound the ball. Oh, we don't want to run that play. Let's let's start it over. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sure it's very relaxed and. Mm-hmm. It ain't going to matter if you win or lose. Some right. probably don't even keep score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just trying it. It's kind of like when you see NFL teams practice together, you know, which inevitably is going to end up in a fight in the NFL. Like when you watch Hard Knocks, yep. it was it the Cowboys and the Rams this year end up in throwing you guys throwing punches at people's helmets. <laughs> but I'm sure that I've never heard of anything like that happening. But I'm sure you have, you know, guys playing hard, competing, and, you know, getting irritated with each other. And, I, I would imagine they're bringing in college officials to make sure things are on the up and up and let those oh, guys. Sure. I mean, as, as an official, I think I would love that too. You get to build a rapport with those kids. You're kind of, you know, knocking the rust off before the season gets started, you know, because just build, you know, that gives you a relaxed chance to kind of talk to kids. Like, hey, Chris, you know, and then during when the season comes up, like, hey, bud, you know, okay, this guy, this guy's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. So I'm sorry I got off track. You know, oh, no, no. November 9th. Not all kind of that off track. Want to talk too about uh, the seven? I would say, uh, yeah, seven teams are playing uh, preseason, like exhibitions. Eight, I guess you would say. I don't. I don't count Nichols State that Northern Iowa is playing first. They're D one, so I do count them as D one. So I don't count that as a exhibition. Yeah. And Missouri State and SEMO are op- opening up on November 9th. But Bradley's going to host University of Illinois Springfield, D2 out of, obviously, Springfield, um, in the same conference of Drury that Drake's going to be playing. Now, Drury's basketball programs have been on the up and up. And I know they've got a new coach, uh, but their women's program, whew, if if the women are playing exhibition games, I don't think anyone in the Missouri or Ohio Valley want to play Drury. Really? Yeah. Good? Yeah, I watched them play at McKendree two years ago, but in the, for the, so before the COVID, and I've never seen so many 10-second calls in a game like at that level uh evansville's playing mount st joseph <clears throat> illinois state's playing davenport um rose holman is playing indiana state so that's right there right next door to them in Terre haute Loyola's is going to take on wisconsin stout uh, siu is taking on henderson state out of uh, what did we decide Ar- arkadelphia Ar- arkansas, arkansas yep. and then valparaiso's playing ashland Yes, I. It didn't look like now. Maybe some of them are playing exhibition, and it's just not on the schedule. But I know, like for example, like Semo, they don't have anything listed on there as exhibitions. Just saying, first games at Missouri State. So I don't know if all schools are doing exhibition anymore, yeah. or maybe I didn't get a chance just, to go through the Ohio Valley uh, schedules like one by one because most of these I had to actually go to yeah the school's website and those you know Missouri State might have one they just don't have it on the schedule, but. So the OVC, uh, basically, I mean, it's a full slate of games uh, for Tuesday, November 9th. Uh, you got Tennessee State uh, at Alabama A&M. Uh, Belmont hits the road for a game at Ohio, which I think that could be a game that Belmont could win. I mean, yeah, it's a school in a larger conference, but uh, that's a that's a school in the MAC that Belmont should be able to compete with and I think hopefully would come away with a road win. That would really boost the – Boost confidence, start season. Uh, Tennessee Tech at Memphis. <clears throat> UT Southern at Austin P. Uh, SIUE travels to Marquette. And then UT Martin at Tennessee. Moorhead State at Auburn. 
Uh, Murray State will host Cumberland out of Tennessee. It's a home game for the Racers. SEMO travels to Missouri State, as we had mentioned, and then Eastern Illinois uh, stays in in state and then goes to Northwestern. So a lot of big schools on the opening day for the OVC. I mean, you got Memphis, Marquette, Tennessee, Auburn, you know, and and Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So really a nice slate of games for the OVC on that opening day. And then you look at basically that weekend, excuse me, Eastern Illinois goes to St. Louis. Uh, Crossover game, Austin P will go to Carbondale. Mm-hmm. And then SIUE at Chicago State and Moorhead State uh, travels to UAB. So I mean, October twenty fourth. I mean, these games are going to be here before you know it. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited for it. I'm just kind of hoping that uh, some of these games will be like last year, because there were times last year where I, f- I feel like all these games during the day were all or all these games on a certain day they were being played at any any given time like yeah. 12 o'clock one o'clock i want that now this year because i you know i'd like to watch some <laughs> basketball you just want that schedule until the tournament so you can watch those games yeah those 10 o'clock games and- exactly now i'm just going to be looking forward to getting home watching that hawaii game that starts at that <laughs> starts at 11 30 <laughs> catch the second half yep well on the official schedule like when the regular season starts if you will uh southern illinois is going to Arkansas Little Rock. I think that's a, a game back from two seasons ago. Northern Iowa is going to host Nichols State. Drake will host Coe College, which <clears throat> I think they're a D three. I mean, they don't have, but they have the Drury game listed as an exhibition, so I'm not sure what the the uh, thing there is. The first full D one opponent will be South Dakota on the 14th, and then uh, UNC Wilmington goes to Illinois State. You're acting like you don't know who Co College is. I'm sure you have a shirt at your house. No, but I know at least two people that attended there. Yeah, I'm not surprised if you don't have a shirt. So you, you know both of them, too. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Toledo goes to Valparaiso. I think the big one, the most notable one, is Evansville goes to Cincinnati. Then Indiana State ho- goes to Wisconsin-Green Bay. Coppin State to Loyola. SEMA, like we said, against Missouri State. And then Bradley goes to South Dakota State. So just what you want to do is go to South Dakota in November. That's exactly what everybody wants to do. Mm, better than January or February, I guess. It'd be cold. Yeah. There's there's only, there's, I mean, I prefer the cold to the heat, but there's only so much cold I can take. I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously a lot of coaches, they want to try and get, take a road trip, you know, obviously yeah. to get a tournament in there, get your feet wet mm-hmm. for your conference tournament, but also just to get the players gelling together for a right. weekend and, you know, go somewhere warm. Um, family and I were actually trying to take a vacation <clears throat> in February. Not sure where we're going, but trying to go somewhere obviously warm. Don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm going to try and find a, some college basketball games there in the area. I think we're either going to go to like Scottsdale <clears throat> or really don't want to go to Florida, but there's really not many warm places in February. Yeah. So... Yeah, we'll see some Arizona Fall League baseball. Yeah, might might go check out. Uh, might try and see if uh, oh, Grand Canyon's got a got a home game. Yeah, nearby. That'd be fun. But uh, yeah. Outside of that, TJ, we can uh, kind of work our way into uh, wrapping up the show with the alliance with the South Southland and the OVC. But before we get to that. The NBA has just now started here recently, TJ, and I, th- I thought it'd be worth noting that, you know, there are four guys from the Ohio Valley that are currently on NBA that opened up the, the year on the rosters, and that's, you know, two of the guys from Murray State, John Morant on Memphis, Cameron Payne is on the Suns, Robert Covington from Tennessee State is on Portland, and then Belmont's Dylan Windler playing for the uh, Cavaliers. So you got those four that are still currently in the uh, NBA. And then you have Terry Taylor, who is uh, probably going to be in the G League as he spent time with the uh, Indiana Pacers this summer. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's that's the way you get there. You know, Isaiah Johnson 
that he finally worked his way up and had a pretty regular spot with the Nets. I mean, I know he was getting kind of mop-up time, but you know, if you, if you hang on with a team like that, especially with a year like this where they're expecting big things, it, at the end, no, one's, no one can take that NBA title list away from you. Oh, not at all. And that's exactly, I think that's what Robert Covington did. He started out in the G League and just kind of worked his way because I think he was with the Houston Rockets at one point, and that's when he was he was with them in the G League. But outside of that, TJ, um, we'll wrap it up with the Ohio Valley and Southland Conference Alliance. Yeah, it's not college basketball related, but still revolves around it a little bit with a lot of these conferences changing up at free will. So the Southland and the OVC, they're going to have an alliance between the two conferences for the years of 2022 and 2023. So two-year stretch here. And, you know, both the schools already, or both conferences already both have agreements with ESPN. So, you know, they'll all be on ESPN, some platform one way or the other anyway. So it kind of makes sense there from a, you know, marketing standpoint. But with the OVC losing a lot of non- or losing games within the conference, mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be a lot of... Double up on some <clears throat> of those guys, yeah. A lot of non-conference uh, vacancies there. And for those that are unfamiliar with the Southland Football Conference, <clears throat> you got Houston Baptist, uh, University of Incarnate Word, McNeese State, Nichols State, as we had mentioned here just a few minutes ago, Northwestern State, <clears throat> Southeastern Louisiana, and Texas A&M University Commerce. Easy for you to say. Yeah, no kidding. But it's a good thing we're kind of wrapping this up because I think my voice is about to just <laughs> about to lose it. Uh, but yeah, I think it makes sense, you know, for both conferences, obviously. But the one that I think kind of goes along with it was the Conference USA that you were talking about. That just goes right along with everything we've seen over the last couple of weeks of everything college football related with all these teams leaving. It's damn near like the transfer portal. So, mm-hmm. I mean... That it's all driven by by football. You know, it's like, you know, we talked about the the six teams that left to go to the American Athletic Conference, and then Southern Miss is leaving Conference USA to go to the Sun Belt. You know, yep. so I just, like you, like you said before we started recording, ever since Memphis left, it's really kind of really changed the trajectory of that conference. And, um, it's unfortunate. You know, I thought there were some good things that came out of Conference USA. I, I think SLU was in it at one time. You know, I, you know, I was a big SLU fan yep. back in the day just because of proximity. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. Speaking of SLU real quick, you think SLU's ever going to make the move here to go to the Big East? I think they'll go if they get invited, but I don't know if the Big East wants them. I would love if, if SLU went to the Big East for – lottery i mean they basically play on the east coast anyway for another conference tournament mm-hmm. where they play at madison square garden for the a10 tournament uh, or did they play at washington in dc because i think i they know they've played there recently either way i mean east mm-hmm. coast yeah so yeah well in your closest home game or your closest road game is what dayton yeah i mean I just, and i understand they wanted to expand their footprint they wanted to get into, into the northeast I don't know that it's an inviting invite for uh, the Big East. Creighton had a heck of a lot of success. I mean, is Omaha, Nebraska's TV market any better, if much better, than St. Louis's? I don't know. Yeah. I, but Creighton was making themselves into a national brand, you know, and Butler had two magical runs. And they went from what was it, the Summit League that they were in, or was it the Horizon? Uh, horizon. The I Horizon. Believe. And, you know, then they make two fantastic runs and they jump to the A-10 and the, the, to the Big East. So what people don't remember, I think the year, the first year they went to the national title game, they finished sixth in the league. But they go on a heck of a run like, oh, Butler, like, well. <laughs> yeah. You know, they just hit at the right time, you know, that, you know, kind of like Wichita State to jump into the AAC, which, you know, looking back, maybe a school like Southern Illinois should have done that when they had their big run in the early 2000s. I just kind of look at it from like a, 
a financial standpoint, like St. Louis, like I think it'd be great if St. Louis joined the Big East for, Mm -hmm. you know, like revenue in the city because a lot of people would come to games. If Villanova's coming to St. Louis, you know, Seton Hall, Creighton, uh, I mean. Do you think they come with regularity, though? Or is it like when we had interleague play, like, yeah, let's go and watch Cardinals play in, in New York, and now it's like, yeah, done that. I mean, where if you play in a school like the Missouri Valley, well, Southern Illinois fans are going to be there every time. Missouri State fans are going to be there every time. I mean, it's it's possible. It it might. Some people may say it's going to draw, you know, lose its fizzle. But a lot of those teams are ranked every year, so Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a good program for a lot of you know fans to go and watch. Whether you're a fan of St. Louis or just a fan of college basketball, you know, I I think they're inability to be consistently at the top of the A-10 is a killer. I think the Big East invites Dayton before they invite them. Okay. I just think it it makes more sense geographically. Um, I just think it's a better fit. But, and I, like I said, I understand, hey, let's expand our footprint. Now people in the East are exposed to our brand and they get more students from that, that area of the country, you know, you expand your alumni base that way. So I just, I, I could be wrong. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Well, who knows? Maybe it'll happen sooner or later with everything else that's, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't expect Belmont to be jumping to the Missouri Valley. <clears throat> no, not at all. A month and a half ago. So, oh, we'll see. Uh, college basketball around the corner. Hopefully we'll get another uh, couple episodes in before uh, November 9th hits. Uh, like we said at the beginning, tr- trying to do it regular basis here, but with our work schedules not aligning here till January, it's been tough uh, trying to be as consistent as we were, uh, you know, last year when we had one uh, basically every week. So you got any final thoughts here, TJ, to wrap up the show? Just ready to start watching some hoop. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, last note, uh, I do want to mention uh, Eastern Kentucky, uh, Trey King, who was in the OVC last year. Uh, he had transferred to Georgetown, but I guess he's no longer participating at Georgetown is now transferring back out. So, uh, I guess he's on the market looking for a team. So I don't think you can join classes right now, can you? Semester's half over. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, College basketball around the corner. We're both excited. Uh, But for TJ Hoover, I am Chris Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And you can give us a follow on Twitter at ViewValleysPod. Enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one, everybody.